This week, we have a very exciting guest, author Kat Gina Cole, who is a neurodiverse witch, psychic, teacher, and author that was raised in a family tradition of magic and witchcraft that knits, makes besoms, and wands. Welcome to the show, Kat! Yay! Thank you. Light from Lantern presents Knit a Spell. I'm magical maker Katie Rempe. And I'm the maker of magic, James Devine. Join us as we stitch together the symbiotic relationship between crafting and the craft. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. So your book, which is da -da -da, Psychic Skills for Witchcraft, uh, Magic and Witchcraft, has been so illuminating. I never really considered that they were two different skills kind of that you put in together and this book just did such a great job in my mind of marrying the two. So maybe we can start off with you telling us how your journey into the magical world began. Well, it began being born into the family. <laughs> um, it's an interesting thing um, because my uh, grandmother, um, she um, taught the traditional part of the craft and my mother was a Christian mystic. And so I got a little more modern in the old traditional, you know, and, and got to watch what that was like for them in between. Um, and um, People often ask me how long I've been a witch, and I very often say I've never not been one. Um, and that's not just because I was raised in the practice, but it's also because of past life experiences and the depth of my experience at times. Um, but I was given a choice because mom was a Christian mystic, you know, like dad was Catholic, and um, the controversy and uh, about that was that mom and grandma were teaching me and I was selected out of the other members of the family because I guess I showed some natural ability but it was kept secret from all of them oh right so this wasn't a whole family thing hmm. and dad wanted us raised in the catholic church and mom compromised by taking us to the salvation army church which was much more liberal and, you know, easy to deal with. And so I had both. And um, as in my youth, I really enjoyed the Salvation Army because it was a community uh, village type thing. They were all family. It was really, really wonderful. Um, long about 12, 13, you know, but the, the church itself um, has this thing where they want you to kind of commit, you know, and there you go off mm. on that part and that was about the time mom decided she gets to choose and mm. so her idea of getting me to choose was me going to dozens of other churches on my own and she dropped me off and picked me up and um i'd read the entire bible again <laughs> and <laughs> At the end of my 12th summer, when I was 13, 
um, I came home one day to this group of women I didn't really know very well and a table and some other stuff and they're dressed and whatnot. I'm like, my mom's scooping me off to get me dressed. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, just answer the questions truthfully. And right. And I'm just like, okay. (laughs) Long story short, it was a bunch of questions about Christianity versus paganism and so on and so forth. And the bottom line was, which one do I choose? And I... And I say paganism, I mean witchcraft. Uh, I didn't really hear the word paganism till I was 50. Hmm. Um, and I chose witchcraft and I never really looked back. Wow. That's like something you hear about happening to people on a TV show, but like never hear in real life. That is so interesting. Yeah, I was sworn to secrecy for 50 years. And what like, was that part of the contract after like 51 years you're like okay no i can talk about it now (laughs) actually no but um initially i really uh, felt and what they said was it was about safety back then you know Mm. through the 60s and 70s it wasn't quite what it is today yeah and we did live here in medford in a conservative area there was still a sundown line until the 70s oh yep and um well maybe even later and uh, so it wasn't really safe. And it wasn't until much later that I kind of got the drift that it might be a closed practice. <laughs> mm. But I'm the end of my line. So that is up to me now. And my mom in 2010 was in the process of passing. And that's when I found this uh, little local magic school that called themselves Ron Tree Pagan Ministries told her about it. She told me to do it. She gave me her blessing. She passed away. Let's see, I think 2010. Yeah, she passed away that year in April on my birthday. Oh, geez. And it was a beautiful, no, hon, it was a beautiful thing. I was the only one that was with her. It was a beautiful thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. She and your grandmother were also your teachers mm-hmm. in all of that as well, in that family tradition. Amazing. How yeah, beautiful. Yeah, boy, when I got turned loose, I mean, it was, um, they really helped me, the Rowan Tree, they really helped me to start talking, to, to feel okay ab- mm. about feeling safe among other magical practitioners. So once I had that experience, there was no stopping me and look where I am today. (laughs) Right. It's like, boom. And um, so I owe them a big debt of gratitude for that, you know, and um, the Rowan tree folk. And, um, you know, it's, it's something very dear to my heart that they helped me with that. And um, it really helped me to understand, wait, there are others that are sworn to secrecy. There are others that are marginalized. It's like, hold my beer. I got something for you. (laughs) (laughs) Set me loose. I love it. And so was that maybe part of the inspiration to write your book or at least have the idea of it? Mm -hmm. Big part of it. That, That was a big part of it. And the whole funny thing about that is through that whole time, you know, I, I met my husband, Michael, around that same time in 2010. 
and I journal a lot copiously and he's like you're writing a book I am not writing a book <laughs> you know every years and years and years you know you're writing I am stop it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? well then I had to go and meet people like <clears throat> Faye Vonowitz and over on Zell yeah and uh so when the slightest opportunity occurred for me to put a book in process, they jumped on it. Mm. And I mean, they jumped on it and me, and I was long for the ride. They were not taking no for an answer. <laughs> oh, other people see it before we do, don't they? <laughs> I guess Often. so. Yeah. Yeah. Too close to it. And so what did you learn about yourself in writing this book? Wow. Um, I remember, I'm not sure quite how to answer that question, but I do remember the first day I got the book and I was in hand, you know, and it was real and I'm reading through it and I went, who wrote this? This is brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I love when that happens. Yeah. Or, or I would say things like, you know, you're talking to yourself, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I just cried, you know, because 50 years. Yeah, huge release. Well, I can understand that person who was reading that book first time in hand, reading it and saying, who wrote this? It's brilliant because that's what I, that's what Katie mm-hmm. and I both were experiencing who wrote this? It's brilliant. Yeah. When I'm reading, when I was reading through this, it was a combination of hearing my own late high priestess. And it was as though it was her words also, and the new perspectives that you bring and the way that you are and have the therapy. And I'm a, I'm, myself an anthropologist. And so mm. you bringing that social science, understanding our social programming, our socialization, and that perspective in which I do hugely with my work, I was eating this up and and completely on your level. I was tremendously, like every time I was like a new chapter, I'm like, yes. And your personal experiences, I was like, yes. I mean, look yes. at Katie's head bobbing. We were both like, can you believe mm-hmm. this book? What? And this is why we chased down. I mean, we bothered Llewellyn like crazy. <laughs> well, the book I really is tremendous. I really appreciate that. And it was very, very important to me, as you may see in the back of the book, um, that it was plain speaking. Um, I, You see this library behind me that's only <laughs> part of my library. I've been reading books since I was a kid. My mom handed me every book she ever wrote, read. And... Um, through them all, I was just like, I, I mean, I could say this now in retrospect, <laughs> they all seem like <clears throat> something written by the Rosicrucians where they promise you to tell you all the deep, dark secrets, but they never do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Uh, circular. Yes. Sales page. Yeah. And you keep searching and reading and searching and reading and you're like, where is it? You know, and I was so exasperated with that over the years. It's and um even in the process of writing i was pressured to change that and i Mm. stood my ground i was like absolutely not this is a deal breaker and Mm -hmm. the response i get from people is 
like you guys, applause for the fact that it is one-on-one, -on -one, it is relatable, it is street mm -hmm. level, and that is genuinely yep. where I wanted it to be and where I live every day in my witchcraft and magic and my teaching. Right. I mean, I think that also, like people say you gave away the store kind of idea, like you gave it all away, like you put it all in here and it isn't that thick of a book. I get clients quite often as a palm reader and it's very much what you wrote about in the book. So you have a story in the book and it's about your intuition and trusting your intuition. It's one of the exercises. So the book is set up where you talk about a concept and a theory throughout the book. You'll have a journal entry where you have an example of what you're teaching and then exercises for the reader to try. And in this journal example, you are at a restaurant where the wait staff is throwing really nasty shade at a homeless person who is in crisis or is having a tough time. And you talk about accessing your intuition and reading or scanning that, that homeless person. And your intuition on the homeless person is much different than the uh, wait staff. Mm -hmm. The wait staff is saying this person's drunk and they're being obnoxious, but your sense, and then you go up to the person and you smell their sweet, sweet smell. And you have this experience and you realize through both your intuition and your training, no, something else is wrong with this person. They wanted to call the police. You said, no, call 911 because I think the person is having a diabetic crash. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, you were right. And that was a really um, fascinating like experience around this type of intuition. When I think about what my clients come to me for, they're stuck in these experiences of having a so many psychic experiences that come at them, right? Like the hidden psychic, the last chapter, mm -hmm. or the other parts where they're, they're just so overwhelmed, but then they don't have the skills mm -hmm. to actually know because psychic energy is real. Energy is real. And yet we are taught to keep our hands to ourselves in kindergarten. We're never taught to keep our energy to ourselves. I can't teach everyone our tradition because our tradition teaches energy management, but I can send everyone this to this book. Mm -hmm. And if they walk through it, it will help tremendously. This is what I'm really excited about. Yeah. And I can guarantee anyone reading through the book will have at least one moment where they say, oh my God, I didn't realize that was a thing. Like I just, that's always been normal for me. I didn't realize this could be part of a psychic gift, like driving in the car, for instance, when you share that story, I was like, oh, right. It's just like being in the shower or like any other meditative state where you can't really do anything else. Of course, you're getting like wild downloads and stuff like that or talking to someone. And all of a sudden you're like, what? I have that happen all the time. I just thought I was a space cadet. So I was so happy to hear that perhaps that's not entirely. The, yeah, when you realize you're not, not crazy, it, but... it's kind of like when you realize your neurodiversity is actually a superpower, mm -hmm. like, and you're actually neurofabulous. How about yes. that? Yes. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly it. And to wrap that all together is amazing. Yeah, thank you guys. Um, those kind of thoughts and feelings are exactly why I wrote the book. You know, those are the, the people I'm speaking to. And um, I knew I could not be the only one out there feeling that, you know. Mm. And when I say this is a manual, it's a manual for many, in many ways, uh, 
It's a manual to learn to train and deepen your focus. It's a manual to help you with your energy. It is a manual to help you with your psychic skills. And about psychic skills on the neurodiverse level, I think that because I talk about in the book about how in my social work professionally, I started noticing a certain percentage of people that were only borderline mental health, but a lot of that mental health stuff was actually psychic, spiritual, magical kinds of stuff. And it was all born out of not having a way to identify it, not speaking about it. The suppression of it, right? Being taught how to manage it, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why labeling it, I don't really live by labels, but that is why labeling this is very important, you know, because it stops us from feeling like we're on the autism spectrum and brings out the fabulous in us, our superpowers in us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. That is such a wonderful way to say that. Mm -hmm. I loved that chapter too, about in that section about how your work really looked at that there's more going on. And there are many different ways to seek wisdom. I I am all about science. Observable science, observable methodologies are important. And there are other ways to seek wisdom. Energy is real. We may not yet have the scientific instruments to measure it or to observe it yet. And energy and psychic abilities are real. We see them happen. We can at least observe the impacts and effects of them. And it's frustrating that we don't incorporate that as a society mm. into what we're doing. And so I am so grateful and deep, deeply, deeply grateful for you and your work and that this book is out there because it, again, it's another millimeter forward in our mm. progress towards having, especially having a professional social worker and someone who lives in both worlds of the you know therapeutic world and of the spiritual world to sort of bring those together, which is also my goal. Well, you know, a lot of people talk about how bad uh, dualism or duality is and stuff like that. We'll get over it because the world (laughs) is duality. Right. We all have a duality and if not a duality, uh, a trifecta. My husband talks Mm. about the mind, body and soul a lot. Sure. Um, And you can't heal one without the other. And I, I would be amiss if I did not give kudos to Judith Orloff. Her Mm. book, Second Sight, was the one that tipped me on to to this. And that gave me permission to use more than the mundane to help people. You know, she really was, in my opinion, the forerunner you know, that broached this and kind of got us thinking about that in healing modalities. We'll put it in the speaker notes so people can find that link and get it themselves. So we geeked out a little bit about uh, some of our favorite sections of your book. Which one were you most excited to talk about? Oh, I think the one that brought me the most joy and is in like my place (laughs) was the chapter on dreams and astral travel because so much 
yeah uh, so much of what our spirituality is happens there Mm -hmm. you know but I have to say the real meat of the entire book is the last two chapters a little bit of the plot twist at the end too I was like well, I mean, I think that the last two chapters are definitely we want to talk about that. Let's talk for a second about dreams, because you have some headings in the dream chapter that are not what one would expect. You have historical information about dreams. Excellent, because it gives you context for like, what do people normally think about and sort of like, you know, myths and facts about it, the nature of dreams, and then dream avoidance. I have never seen that as a as a subheading in a a book on dreams. I love how you go where people don't go. And mm-hmm. there is and this is a theme throughout the book. This is something that I didn't realize I was doing until I read this section. And it's just a couple of paragraphs, but I realized oh, I avoid talking about certain dreams because it's not for polite company or I avoid like remembering dreams or it's something that I was like, it was just a dream. Why do I have to be ashamed of having that dream? It was a dream. Your perspective is unique. Oh, thank you. I don't, thank you for that. I will accept that, but I don't think it's unique. That's why I wrote it. I don't think it's unique. And I did have to fight tooth and nail to say what others don't typically say. Hmm. It was a heck of a fight, editorially wise. Thanks for fighting. Yeah. Why do you think, why do you think um, that is? Why is it so hard to get that sort of thing across? Social conditioning. Hear it? Yeah. Social and you conditioning. talk about that in the very and beginning of the book, you talk about the, that. the acceptable pablum and that it's exactly mm. what this book is not. And, um, <laughs> by God, so we we're going to make sure it wasn't. And, um, so dream avoidance. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is an interesting thing and and you make a comment about how it's just a paragraph and I was just kind of perusing the book again and it's like oh god there's just volumes more I could write (laughs) and um dream avoidance is sometimes you're not meant to see things sometimes you get kicked out of your lucid awareness because your your subconscious and your psyche are like "Mm, no you ain't ready for this girlfriend out (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and um they know what self-care is much better than you do sometimes and so do spirits and gods and so on and so forth you know and we should be lucky that that occurs and a lot of people i see with dream avoidance you know on on kind of a flip side they're like why can't i remember that you know and i'm no they focus on it and they're like i'm no good at remembering dreams and this that and the other thing and and this dream avoidance section is like hey this is probably what's really going on mm-hmm. you know it, so so the more you beat yourself up about it the less it's you're going to relax and let it happen yeah i was pretty pissed the other day because i had one of the most awesome experiences in a dream i've ever had in my life just last week where I had an experience of ultimate supreme bliss and ecstasy. And the experience of that ecstasy and bliss woke me up. I experienced it for just a second, for a nth of a second, and it popped me out and I woke up. 
and it was 4 a.m. And I was pissed as heck. I was so angry because I thought, why couldn't I experience that longer? It was like perfect sleep. It was like the most amazing thing, but it startled me awake. To me, that sounds like more of a physiological response in that your body was like, wait, you're going too far. Come back. Yeah. It was mm. also like, don't die. You know, <laughs> and the body, no, I, I don't know about death, but I think more it's about the daily consciousness and the body kind of going, um, wait, we're not used to this, you mm. know? So then the ego and internal stuff start to kick in. It's like, uh, no, we're protecting you. You, you need to wake up. The dream thing is an interpretation that does seem to be the main focus about dreams. And I'm just like, wait a minute, man, it's so vast. Yeah. Um, one of the other struggles was the talk about the beyond. Now, mm. anybody who has had psychic experiences understands what that phrase is, but the mm, editors were like, this is ridiculous. I went, uh-uh. <laughs> It's not ridiculous. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we had squabbles over that too. And there's much less in there than I would like. The beyond is vast. And calling it beyond the veil or astral travel or whatever does not begin to touch it. It doesn't. And people um, who feel lost and undescribed in the world of psychism and dreams and so on. They know what the words beyond mean. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. It's very similar to the word abyss, but that's another negative, big, nasty, we don't go to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just as vast. <laughs> One section I definitely wanted to talk about, speaking of sections that you probably had to fight to get in here, are about the psychic paradoxes. I thought when I read this that this was like, a term out there and then Jim was like I've never heard of this before and so I'm like oh okay well perhaps you coined this term so could you explain to our listeners what that is exactly and why you wanted to put it in the book uh, the um, phrase what they do not tell you pretty much captures it <laughs> um because that, like I said about the meat of the book, that is everything that is not spoken of in other books on psychism, the reality of what it's like mm -hmm. be having psychic skills is paradoxical. It can be so varied and so vast and so contradictory and so confusing that it, it paradoxical is about the only word that captures it and it's rarely spoken about so one of the things that i talk about the is people don't want to know the truth they ask for the truth but they don't want to know the truth the reason they don't want to know the truth is because one, it shocks them when someone completely unknown outside of themselves sees them more clearly than themselves. This scares them. And so the initial protective stuff comes in and they reject mm. or dismiss or disbelieve or say, eh -eh. 
this is where having psychology and psychism together is beneficial. So helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as a reader per se or psychic, you can see that. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I see these two things. But it did take me a long time that some of that stuff is claircognizance. I say a type of precog in the book, but um, it's actually claircognizance where you become aware of another person's truth and you know what they're about to do and say and how that's going to come out. But, and you can tell that person all day long, they'll deny it, you know, or they'll say, yeah, maybe, you know, oh, that's interesting. Nobody could be exactly right about me and there's free will. Okay. But it took me a while to realize that isn't just for them. That's for me too, to be able to see it coming because it's they're going to come back to me and go, why didn't you tell me? It's like, dude. <laughs> I, that, okay, this, I was so happy to hear this and your explanation on like, well, it's just for you to deal with the fallout that is going to be inevitable by them not listening to the thing they asked for, didn't ask for, or whatever. I mean, it still kind of like makes me, because I like want to fix everything all the time, but that really helped me deal with like, why won't you listen? <laughs> I don't oh, know. that used to be such a big thing for me. I would scream <sighs> about it. I'd get so mad. Yes. And, and I would cuss. And it's like, why have this gift if, if this is the case? What is yes. it for? Yes. They yes. Okay. <laughs> and, that, and, and that is how I realized this is what it's for. It's for you to know that, oh, this is coming back at me. Oh, all right. Mm. You know, and wow, that just smooths so much out for me, you know, and it has made my life so much easier. And I, it allowed me to let in my neurodiversity allowed me to let go of some of the anger and resentment and not feeling like I was valued, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And when I realized, oh, this is for me coming back later, it was like, oh, I didn't need to go to all those other places with it, you know? And so it put a lot more positive energy on the whole process. Mm -hmm. You're more in power of it. Right. And it, well, that's the funny thing about surrender. There is control and surrender. And that's the paradox, right? Another <laughs> exactly. paradox. That's another paradox. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, because spontaneous events, for example, talk about a paradox. People talk about being protected and shields and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that only goes so far. Uh, right. I, that was one of my pet peeves about most psychic books is they all think that you can do it in a controlled environment and always protect it. No, that is not real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I once heard someone say uh, magic is just stacking the odds in your favor. It's not a guarantee, but it might be helping out. And I was like, yeah, that seems I could get down for that. Like yeah. nothing's right. a guarantee. So I think ultimately it's, more powerful to have a surfboard than a shield (laughs) like you you're kind of or and eventually it's your body surfing you know you're kind of like the waves come the energy is there and then you figure out that i'm going to be overcome by this wave but i also know how to swim i think of that a lot like the water and like how do we work with the water and the waves that are there Mm -hmm. you hear about people being in the flow and to me that's reminiscent of being in the river you know and staying the course i think the most important 
what shall we call it, phrase or motto that has helped me be there is a difficult one. All things are temporary, even when it doesn't feel like it. And I have used that in my highest moments of panic, my highest moments of feeling like I'm in the abyss or the underworld, and just kind of holding my breath or breathing, going, oh, things are temporary, and when it feels like this will be over soon. <laughs> I think those, oh. that phrase is very helpful in those intense moments, good or bad. And I think that it helps us to realize we're small, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all this is small and um, it helps us remember our place, you know, um, kind of brings us back to reality and or the moment that we need to be in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some magic and making. Yay. All right. See you in a minute. Hey, Jim, I was just on your website and I saw that you have an option for readings. Are you doing more than just palm readings now? I have started offering tarot readings in addition to palm readings. (gasps) Yes, finally. You can find information about tarot readings or palm readings on my website, thedivinehand.com. Both are available virtually anywhere in the world. Or if you live in the Seattle area, I am seeing clients in person as well. Thedivinehand.com. That's where you can go to learn more. Hey, Magical Makers, are you interested in getting my little blanky pattern for free? You can for a limited time, simply by signing up for the Light From Lantern newsletter located at lightfromlantern.com. Not only will you receive this pattern for free, you'll also get updates and exclusive discounts on new patterns and more. Learn more at lightfromlantern.com. And we're back with Cat Psychic Skills for Magic and Witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So in the first half, we talked all about your book, but now... I want to know, hey, are you a knitter? Did I hear that you knit? Yeah. What? Yeah. So, so what here's, knit? here's a funny thing. I have a friend who is an excellent seamstress, right? And fabric artist. And I'd, I'd always liked crocheting and knitting and stuff like that. And um, so um, we gave that a shot and she was looking at my work and she goes maybe you need to knit with a loom (laughs) (laughs) oh dang read (laughs) i am not that coordinated i guess um or get it in my neurodiversity was a challenge so anyway she hooked me up with a round loom and of course you know hats are the first thing that you start um doing there Longer story short, um, knitting became a way to help me to stop smoking in a way. And then it became, hey, what am I going to do with these hats? And I would knit the whole time I'm watching TV in the evening or whatever. The hats stacked up, the creativeness of the hats expanded. Mm. And the hats became a donation for the homeless. Mm. And I... We'll occasionally take them to the gospel mission, but mostly I keep them in the car and I give them out to the homeless I encounter personally. Oh, that's very powerful. And um, 
it's more powerful because it's connected to my son who was homeless by, well, by choice and neurodiversity. And uh, he passed in 2016. Mm. And uh, so that's just my way of, you know, um, doing what humans should do for each other, you know? So that was the hats. And then my husband, a very talented man, made me alone out of love and skill. And that's magic in itself. And it was his contribution to my work. And so, yes, I knit. And this loom he made, though, was big, 80, 90, 80 or 120 peg loom. So shawls and blankets are now coming. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. Do you incorporate magic as you're knitting? There is love incorporated because that is my connection, spiritual connection to my son. So that love and that connection, that feeling of protection, you know, and giving someone solace mm. is all in there. Right. Yeah. So can you imagine receiving, I'm imagining someone receiving a hat and then feeling that love. Mm-hmm. How fabulous. Yeah. Handmade. And plus, you're talking to the person and acknowledging that they're there and exist and need help and are helping them with a handmade gift that you made with your hands. That is very meaningful. Let's talk a little bit about kinetic skills. Of course, growing up, uh, I always wanted to be able to do all the things at once, including like, you know, be able to knit and do something else. Um, so when I saw like, oh, Harry Potter World has a pair of knitting needles that are knitting on their own, I was like, okay. How far am I going to have to train myself for this to become a real thing? And I'm not sure it ever will be, but maybe I can just settle with warming up my coffee when it gets cold. <laughs> well, that's a start. Absolutely. But, you know, the thing that prevents us from going there to the hair pod level of those knitting needles is that we have to function in this man's world. Hmm. And we, as human vessels, bodies, rarely have the time and the commitment and the space it requires to do that. That's why it doesn't exist. Now, you mm. hear stories about, especially in India, the spoon bending and various other things or those Levitation. that can levi levitate, mm. you know, and things of that nature. Have you ever noticed how thin they are? How not social they are mm -hmm. my point this yeah. is it can be done but it is such a high level of focus it's rarely accomplished and i think also maybe part of it is that like we don't eat the right things anymore to like even get to the frequency that we would require to do something like that and if we did we'd probably kill our bodies <laughs> so because that's another thing i've I've seen a lot of and would be interested in your feedback, actually. It seems like a lot of people who are very psychically gifted um, tend to wear out their vessels really quickly or um, develop issues that are really specific to things that they work towards. For instance, we had on um, Danielle Dion, who wrote a book on mediumship. She had a blood disorder. Um, and her whole uh, 
work was all about the blood. And she said on our show, like, don't, you know, think that it wasn't ironic for me to realize that then I had like a blood disorder issue. So I'm just kind of curious if you have any reflection on on that. Maybe that's a loaded question. It's a big question. It's an excellent question. Um, I have this thing I do, I call pause where I think about things sometimes. Mm. Um, so no, that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, the blood thing. Mm. I want to say off the top law of attraction. Mm -hmm. And, but I don't want that to be misunderstood. Yes. Thoughts are things and law of attraction is not bringing harm to yourself necessarily, but when you live and breathe something, you're going to live and breathe the entire thing mm. unless you put protections in place ahead of time and roadblocks or limits, restrictions. Myself, for example, psychism, I did not put limits and restrictions and protections in place to like protect myself from the abyss because we don't believe those things are going to happen hmm. i'm so skilled dot 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 i got this and the universe was like hold my beer <laughs> oh you think you know everything <laughs> those are charged mm -hmm. thoughts yeah by the way <laughs> um, yeah so and but thankfully to my psychic skills i was able to maneuver and get my ass out of there you know um but in the world of dualism light dark if you really thought about it it's common sense that the in you would encompass the entire thing if that is going to be your main focus right so I caution people not to get too immersed in the world in sight of psychism. And this is why. And I encourage people to think ahead just a little bit. Yes, it's wonderful we have these skills. I don't want anyone to be afraid of them. There's ways to deal with them, dot, 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 dot. But think about how far you wish to go. Mm. And if you wish, like me, to be an open vessel, be prepared for what that really means and understand there will be much you will never be able to prepare for. I love that because I think there is a way to also be very fulfilled and successful at whatever level you choose to be. I am a currently a successful psychic and palm reader with a level of balance and participation that I have. But I know that I have a balance of, of the mundane world and the magical world. And it's a place that I feel really successful in balancing. And I really loved how you described balance in your book of you had a vision of stepping with the sand, like kind of falling away at your feet. This was a vision or a dream. Do you remember what it is? What that yes. message was life from is, Odin? Life is lived in the midst of chaos. And mm -hmm. In the land of fire and ice, life is lived in the midst of chaos. And what that's about with the shifting sands or the falling pebbles falling away on the sharp mountain is that balance is flexible. And life occurs when the dual forces of life that make life, fire and ice, 
Clyde. And apparently, I it's hard for people to think that I wouldn't know that ahead of time as experienced as I am, but people have to understand I was sworn to secrecy for 50 years, you know? And so it's only been in the last 12, 13 years that I have read what most people are exposed to. Mm. And uh, so I did not know about the Eddas and the sagas prior to this vision and had a Norse friend who went, that's right out of the Eddas, you know, oh, okay, I guess I better read that. (laughs) (laughs) Here's your sign to read it. There you go. And this isn't just from the Eddas and the sagas and North mythology. When you go to Japan and you stand at a 4,000-year-old rock garden, the rock garden is a garden. It is without life. All it has is rocks and pebbles, large rocks, and then smaller gravel that is raked very carefully. And around each of the large rocks is raked a pattern around the rock in a circular pattern, and then straight lines uh, in the rest of the rock garden. And if you look at it as a foreign tourist, you would just say, okay, rocks and move on. But if you stop and pause, (laughs) you notice something really interesting. There's life in that rock garden. The moss grows in only one place where the gravel and the large boulder meet. And it's between those two places in that liminal space. That's where life is very much in the same idea of where fire and ice or where the lot, where the flow and the solid, where those two principles come together. That's where the life exists in that liminal spot. And it's the same principle is expressed if you stop, if you pause, if you intuit, if you see with something other than just your eyes, you can find these principles exist all over. I was in my twenties when I witnessed that and had that Mm. mind blowing realization. A lot of people don't expect that balance is flexible, you know, but Mm. all energy is flexible and everything is energy. Right. Well, it has to be because you can't maintain balance. Balance isn't standing like this. Balance is always mm-hmm. shifting. It's an it's actually active. You have to maintain balance. You have to be balancing, not balanced. Oh, it's not a right. balanced act. <laughs> it's a balancing <laughs> act. The minute you stop that. moving, you fall off that high wire act into the Grand Canyon and, you know, <laughs> into the abyss, I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, exactly. right. Exactly <laughs> that, you know, and your analogy of the rock garden, as you were describing the concentric circles and the straight lines, I was thinking of the cosmos. That is exactly how the energy in the cosmos flows around the planets. Mm. Right. You know, and, and to me, that was based on, I guess, my more hermetic stuff was my representation of that you talk about the moss being in between to me that's about the earth stuff you know Mm. and it just shows that analogy just shows how they all live together we we don't live in the earth we don't live in the air we live in this thin film between earth and sky what's really nice like you said is to be able to see it once you see it you don't unsee it you know i love it when i finally get my students for example to reach that spot where they realize what you're saying and they look up and their mouths fall open and they see the atmosphere they see suddenly 
all the plants and everything connected, you know, in that wide-eyed, like, oh, yeah. crap. <laughs> yes. you Same. know fabulous yes. i love that sense of awe <laughs> the mind blow part yes <laughs> yeah. one of the things i really liked about your book that it's full of exercises some of which are party games <laughs> i was like i love this idea of bringing in low-key psychic practices produced or uh, introduced as a party game which i mean it really is Okay, my my at a party, my very first thing is glamour and enchantment and setting the environment with the aromatherapy and all of that. That's bang. To me, that is casting the energy field. That sets the stage for everything. And of course, it depends on who's coming over and what we're doing. As far as like a party game, we have this game of, kind of my son and I developed of whose thought is it that's fun yeah and so like you have a room full of witches and psychics <laughs> inevitably one of us looks up and what goes wait I'm hearing this that or the other thing whose thought was that mm. and off it goes oh my gosh I love this that is a great game whose thought is this hmm, why do I want pizza all of a sudden Whose right. thought is this? Definitely yes, my right. thought. That's yeah. definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I, it's just surprising, Sorry. actually. You get a lot of people going, I don't ever want pizza, but I want pizza. Who is that? You know, just hmm. various things like that. You know, or you'll find somebody going, I have this urge to go do this, that, or the other thing. And it's like... <laughs> guilty. Hot. Do you find that this is important to hold the accuracy lightly, to have it be kind of a game and have it be fun and not have it have that heaviness of like, you must be right. Get it right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't keep it light, you close doors. You know, I uh, liken it to holding onto a wet bar of soap. The tighter that you grab it, the more it's going to slip out of your hand. One of the other fun things we've done in the past in other groups is we have just sat and had the witches and psychics hold an image in their mind period create something you know and and then we go about you know discussing that and what we see we've also sat in a circle and done a path working together you know where the person leading will say take us to a crystal planet and then we kind of as we sort of semi-meditate, free associate about what we're seeing and out of those people, it's amazing. We're going, I see that, I see that. You know, is that blue or is that green? You know, whatever it happens to be. And those are a blast. Oh, well, that's uh, fun. Almost on your face. <laughs> all new ideas I can't wait yep. to try out. These are all reasons mm -hmm. to hang out with Kat on her social media, <laughs> Yes. to subscribe to Kat's newsletter, to check out everything that Kat G. Nicole is doing, but especially this book. Read this book. Read It is not this. long. It is small. You can just chunk this out, like just crush through it over a long weekend. Or do it like trouble. me. <laughs> Read it slow, savor every word, take it in, and just enjoy the heck out of it. And now you know how cool Kat is.
That's like, right. <laughs> not only is the book awesome, but the author is super awesome. That's right. That always helps. Yeah. It <laughs> does help. Yeah. So where can people find you? Let's talk yes. about your website, your social, everything okay. about you. So I am on Instagram. Um Earthwitch underscore Cat Gina Cole. Um and um Cat Gina Cole is one word. And both of those. I'm not really well versed at Instagram. I'm not on there as much as I probably should be. Facebook is my main venue. So I'm happy to chat with people over Facebook messages and or video uh, FaceTime and stuff like that. Catginacole.com has my blog, my author page at Llewellyn, my author page at Amazon and is under construction a little to add some other things that will be coming like classes and support and donations and you can things I might be making and selling like a hat or a broom or a wand or whatever eventually those things are coming they're not quite there yet I decided not to do it all on Patreon because I want to be direct with the consumer Mm. and then I also do a question and answer article column for the house of twigs.com and if you go there you can click on columns and then it'll say cats q a and that's my article uh, there where i answer people's questions the best way to message me like i said is on my facebook messenger or my dot com will have my contact information Upcoming events are always fun and flexible and sudden sometimes. (laughs) Um, However, um, I'm working with, I I discovered a local, new local shop not far from me that I, we didn't know each other. I love synchronicity, by the way. I live by it. Um, Her shop opened the day my book came out. (laughs) Of course. And the day I walked in the shop, she had just asked for somebody to help her out. And I walked in the door. And so so we're going to be doing stuff together. That's Genelope Creations in Rogue River. And in August is the Eugene Pagan Pride. In June, I hope to do the Sun Fest. I'm not quite, which is in Portland, which I'm uh, I'll be there. I'm not quite signed up for, but I'm getting there. Then in September, the Sacramento Pagan Pride. And then there's an article for Witches and Pagans fall issue coming out where Phaedra Bonovitz, who wrote the foreword to my book, is interviewing me. And it's quite the revealing article. (laughs) All right. Can't wait. Well, this has been such a delight, Jim. I know I've learned a ton. How about you? I am so inspired. It's Mm -hmm. been an amazing time with you, Kat. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your generosity in what you wrote and shared in this book. Thank you for your generosity on our podcast and Mm -hmm. for just your beingness. It's absolutely amazing. I feel so moved and I just can't wait to get more of you. I mean that deeply. Well, thank you both. You know, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) I'm very, very touched and anything to be of service. 
I yeah, really it's amazing it. work. Yes, amazing we, work. Yes, we look forward to the future. <laughs> yes, there's more to come. I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> All right, well, everyone. <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Knit a Spell. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. Blessings. Thanks for Thanks listening. listening. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes and Spotify, or following Knit a Spell on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the Light from Lantern YouTube channel to enjoy full episodes of Knit a Spell and see our happy faces. You can also learn more about readings, classes, and events going on with your favorite maker of magic, James Devine, by visiting thedivinehand.com and subscribing to his newsletter. Then follow Jim's fun and interactive Instagram account at Divine Hand Jim. Keep up with Katie, the magical maker, by subscribing to her newsletter at lightfromlantern.com. You'll even receive a free knitting pattern as a thank you gift. Then follow Katie on Instagram at lightfromlantern for even more magical making tips. See you See next, you next week. week.